I'm Joe Beachboard. And I'm Dr. Dennis Davis. And this is Workplace Strategies Update. Dr. Davis, how are you? Joe, I'm well. Yourself? I am doing just fine. Here we are, episode number 13. Tressy! 13. Three weeks and two podcasts before the big show in Austin, Texas on June 23rd through the 25th. Still time to join us in person or through the uh, remote uh, participation. Yes, uh, either platform, either be with us in Austin or participate virtually. You're gonna get the same exact terrific information, a wonderful experience either way. And speaking of wonderful experiences, we have a great show uh, today. We've got two guests on two very important topics. Uh, first up is gonna be Charles Thompson, who will discuss the EEOC's new guidance on vaccines in the workplace. And also joining us to discuss a proposed new member of the NLRB, we have Tom Davis. And of course, we'll wrap up with our popular What You Drinking? I have my bottle. And I have my bottle. And I think it's going to be a much better discussion today. Of course you would, Joe. I, of course I, I you think would. All feels right in the world. Oh goodness Again. gracious! Act like you've been there before. Uh, well, thanks to all of you for joining us, whether you're on the video or on the podcast. If you're on the podcast, be sure to subscribe. We're now available on Spotify and on Apple or any place where you get your podcasts. And don't forget, we have certain important principles on this program. There are four of them. There are four of them. They are content. Wine, swag, and substance. And Joe's a little slow. That should be the fifth uh, one. Well, uh, you said content, and the C is actually competition. Well, I want people to understand that. You know, well, okay. So I was trying to figure out whether I should go with competition I somehow. Just I, would, I was, I I was trying to think of an uh, S word that said competition. I just thought I'd shake it up a little and bit. I, well, you did. You did. So generally, it's SSWC. Which SSWC. Is, yeah. Substance, swag. Wine and competition. And last week, I learned that swag stands for stuff we all get. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that stuff we all. So get. that's like tips, right? To ensure proper service. I, mean, I can't speak for tips. I can only speak for swag. Okay, but and that's where the word came from. That's sure? where the word came from. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, last week, when we talked about our wines, you had I had a jacuzzi cabernet, and I had the Cosentino, the poet, the first meritage from Napa Valley. Later in the show, you will have the opportunity to determine which of us tells the best story about these two wines, and then one of you will win your choice of these two bottles of wines. And there are two ways to win. Two, two ways, ways to win. To win. Uh, if you're on the video audience, you vote in the polling that will come up at the end of the show. If you're on the podcast, just simply by subscribing. All you got to do is subscribe, and you're included. And you can get included twice by voting in the polling and subscribing. You can get your name twice in the bowl. Big bowl, really big bowl. Really big bowl, and win a bottle of wine along the way that Dennis would love to send to you. It will be coming from Joe. Well, not this week. Well, you know, Dennis, we have a ton 
of substance 2,000 pounds of stuff. Yes. Last week, the EEOC issued importance guidance for employers with respect to vaccine information, and we have an expert with us here today to explain it all to you. We do indeed. Charles Thompson is a shareholder in our San Francisco office and has been instrumental in providing information to our clients about what they need to do to handle the challenges associated with the pandemic. And he is part of the team conducting the COVID Employer Workshop on June 23rd at Workplace Strategies. Welcome to the show, Charles. Hey, Charles. Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be here. Thank you. You know, Charles, um, on May 28th, the EEOC issued an important update to its guidance for employers on COVID-19 and various federal employment laws. Uh, this update, as I understand it, addressed what they call Section K, which is the vaccination portion of the guidance. What's the big takeaways from the changes? I think there are two big takeaways that employers have been looking forward to, frankly. One is that, yes, employers can ask their employees to tell them or mandate, rather they can mandate vaccination. They can mandate that their employees get vaccinated. All right. And second of all, they can require their employees to give them documentation showing that they're vaccinated, whether it's a self-certification form or, or it's a, uh, or it's a uh, COVID-19 vaccination card. Interesting. So what analysis did the EOC apply in deciding that employers could require that their employees be vaccinated? Well, like many of us have been have been um, have been doing, they applied the direct threat analysis, all right, and concluding that having COVID uh, having COVID nineteen positive employees, or having rather having people who weren't vaccinated in the workplace, does pose a significant threat to the health and safety of workers hmm. and the so public. So, Charles, tell me, did the EEOC suggest any particular types of uh, accommodations that an employer should offer to an employee who, say, can't be vaccinated because of a medical condition? Yes, they did, Joe. And thanks for reminding me. I should have mentioned that. The first answer is that, yes, employers can mandate vaccination, but they have to reasonably accommodate employees with medical conditions, with disabilities, employees who are pregnant and also employees who have sincerely held religious beliefs. With respect to the, uh, with respect to disabilities, medical conditions, some of the suggestions that the EEOC gave for accommodations that an employer could provide is uh, wearing a face mask, uh, working at a social distance between, uh, you know, co from coworkers and non-employees, working a modified shift, and uh, being given the uh, opportunity to telework or to accept a reassignment. Hmm. Interesting. You mentioned sincerely held religious beliefs. I was going to ask about that. Uh, yes. What did the EOC say about handling those uh, with uh, sincerely held religious beliefs? Well, interestingly, they focused initially on that an employer should not question the whether the employee sincerely or had a sincerely held religious belief that he or she could not be vaccinated all right so you should accept employers should just accept that at face value doesn't matter whether you believe it or not 
all right? But you should accept it at face value. And only if you have some contrary evidence, and frankly, I don't know what that evidence would be. Uh, maybe it's social media, such as Facebook, a letter to the editor, uh, pictures, I don't know. But if only if you have some contrary evidence, would the employer be able to dig further into whether the employee's uh, religious belief really did uh, prevent him or her from getting vaccinated? Charles, I know that many employers were waiting to see if the EEOC would provide some guidance about uh, providing incentives yeah. for employees to become vaccinated. Did the yeah. EEOC comment on that? It did. Um, and as we we, most of us suspect is that the EEOC approved of some incentives. So if an, if an employer is sponsoring its own program for vaccination, either through it or through its, an agent that it has chosen, an employee can provide, an employer can provide incentives but to the employee, but the incentives cannot be so substantial that they're going to be coercive. You can't, you can't give such an incentive that uh, the employee says, I just don't have any option but to go get vaccinated. That's, di that's different though from, an from providing incentives to employees to go get their family members vaccinated. If an employer is running its own, pro own vaccination program, either itself or through an agent, the employer cannot provide employees with the incentive to get their, to get their family members vaccinated because there's too much of a danger, according to the EEOC, of getting private in, private medical information about those about those family members. You can still encourage, you know, you can still you still can encourage your employees to get their family members vaccinated and provide them with information. Uh, you just can't give them incentives. Interesting. Well, tell us what the EEOC said about confidentiality of the vaccination information. Well, again, it's what we and the leave of absence and reasonable accommodation practice group have been uh, have been telling people all along is that right now you should be considering or telling employers all along you should be keeping that information confidential and separate from the personnel file. If they have a medical file, that's where you should be putting it. That also means that if you're keeping a list of people who have, you know, that discloses their status, you should be keeping that list confidential as well and not just putting it in the HRIS system and letting any manager access to it. That's the takeaway, I think, uh, about confidentiality. Hmm. Well, some very important information, Charles, and I know you'll have a lot more to talk about in three weeks um, at yep. the immersion session where instead of five minutes, you'll have two hours. So you'll be able to dig into a lot of these in more detail. So we appreciate your time today and we appreciate you participating in the immersion session as well. Thanks, oh, Charles. Thanks very much. I appreciate the invite. Thanks, right. guys. Good thanks, to see Charles. You. Great information. The landscape continues to change in the whole pandemic in the workplace. Yeah, indeed. And that's why, in addition to the immersion session that Charles is going to be speaking at, we're going to have a full general session on the topic of COVID in the workplace on the morning of Friday, June the 25th. That's the uh, presentation by the EEOC Commissioner Keith Sonderling, no? 
Yeah, he'll be one of the presenters. He's going to do a special keynote presentation, and then he's going to sit in on a panel where they talk about vaccines, the topic that we just covered, um, masks, and other issues of interest uh, to em employers. So that's really going to be great. Can't wait. But, you know, we have another great topic to address. A few weeks back, Ruthie Goodbow joined us on this podcast to discuss developments happening in the traditional labor space. And today we're joined by her co-chair of the Ogletree Practice Group, Mr. Tom Davis. Well, we we couldn't get Ruthie back? Well, hey, come on, Dennis, you Davises are supposed to <laughs> stick together. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, Tom. Yeah, th thanks, Dennis. You always make me feel so good. By, by the way, I was thinking about speakers for Labor Law Solutions. I need a really great lunch speaker. Do you know if Luther's available? I guess I'm off the list now, right? I got you. I got you. Hey, yeah. quick plug, Maybe Tom. Not. Tom, when is that? when and where is that program? Yeah, first week in December, Labor Law Solutions, back in the live setting, uh, fingers crossed, uh, in Las Vegas, nice. Nevada, where we've been so many times before. So excited to hopefully be back in a room with and with sans Dr. Davis. Friends. So there, there's another reason to uh, attend. You know, Tom, what I uh, took from Ruthie's comments when she was on the show a few weeks back is that there are kind of a lot of moving pieces in terms of where labor law reform might happen. But then I saw last week that President Biden made an announcement with respect to a, an appointment to the National Labor Relations Board. Was that significant? Yeah, yeah, Joe, I think Ruthie painted an accurate picture. We've got a lot of moving pieces, a lot of sources for potential change. One is the president himself. I think everybody knows he's He's uh, anointed himself the most pro-union uh, president in history. We've seen executive orders uh, from the administration. We know there's this huge piece of legislation out there, the PRO Act. But I think we've said all along, the quickest path to start to see changes to the labor law in a way that are favorable to the, to the labor movement is through the NLRB. Uh, and that requires uh, a, the president to put into place a pro-labor majority. And what you're talking about is he started that process last week, actually appointed an individual named Gwen Wilcox, a name, frankly, a lot of us hadn't heard of, kind of a journeyman uh, labor lawyer. She's out of a, a firm in New York, Levy uh, Ratner, really good firm, but I think an aggressive firm. She's also uh, the assistant general counsel of a SEIU local 1199, which is a big local, also a fairly aggressive uh, labor union. Uh, but I think the things that, a couple of things that distinguish her, she's been kind of an advocate for creative organizing, alt-labor, which some labor experts will, will be familiar with. She was a real supporter of the fight for 15. But what will be most controversial about her is she was the architect behind an attack that was made using the joint employer theory against franchisors trying to make them responsible for labor violations and collective bargaining for franchisees. So not as controversial as a Mark Pierce or a Craig Becker. Certainly she'll be supported by labor and will be challenged by uh, the management community. I think probably what's most significant about her is if confirmed, she would be the first black female uh, NLRB member in the history of the board, something I think everybody uh, will get behind. Uh, but we'll see. So she, she would be filling a fifth slot. There is a, another position, a Trump appointee, Bill Emanuel, whose term expires uh, in August. And once President Biden fills both of those slots, then the, the foundation for a pro-labor majority will, will be in place. 
uh, and we'll start to see the law change as we did with the Obama administration and, and the Obama board. All right. So, Tom, I read something the other day uh, about the White House forming a task force to promote union organizing. What was that about? Is that significant? Yeah, Dennis, I think it's significant on a couple of levels. Again, it shows the, the aggressiveness and the, the depth of the support that President Biden has for the labor movement. This is called the White House Task Force on Worker Organizing and Empowerment. The vice president is chair, co-chair is the secretary of labor. Every department in the administration is being called in to be a part of this, uh, this task force with a focus on how to promote organizing and collective bargaining and employee rights. And, and I think what's critical, they're tasked with putting out a report in 180 days and I think we're really going to see, look, it's a lot of smart people. I suspect we'll be some, see some really creative ideas come from that task force. But what was more important to me, Dennis, is the reaction of the labor movement. Essentially, I think the labor movement said, look, we, we, we appreciate that. We, we are thankful for all those actions. But if all we get is that, if all we get is executive orders, if all we get is uh, a, a pro-labor NLRB, it will be a failure of this administration if the administration and Congress don't pass the PRO Act. Again, the most daunting piece of labor reform, every wishless item we've ever seen from the labor movement. We'll see whether that passes or not. Uh, lots of hurdles and obstacles that filibusters got to be done away with. There, there's some fairly challenging uh, components of that law uh, but if it passes, I think all of us will be locking the doors because it'll be a, a very challenging time. And for me, Joe, just to kind of conclude, it's probably never been any more timely workplace strategies from a labor perspective. You've got all of that combined with the, the, the impact of COVID, an energized labor movement seeking to really create, uh, to, to exploit that environment, combined with what they expect to be some more friendly labor laws, I mean, there's a lot to talk about at Workplace Strategies from a labor perspective, 2021. Wow. Well, uh, I guess uh, <laughs> may you live in interesting times. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so, uh, Tom Davis, I really ap appreciate you dropping by the show. At least I appreciate you <laughs> dropping. I appreciate you by too, Tom. And and so, I'm looking forward to hearing more about all those developments that you just mentioned in that opening general session that you're going to participate on on Thursday, June. 24th, when you're going to be our traditional labor representative on the Biden administration uh, panel. So thank you for doing that as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in Austin. See you then. Take care, Take Tom. Care, guys. Thank you. All right. Dennis, we had some great topics today. Absolutely. Seems like every single day there's something new that impacts uh, employers. Are you suggesting we need a daily workplace strategies update? Ah, maybe we do a daily. Maybe not, maybe not. But we will cover all of those topics at, at, at workplace strategies. It's gonna be great, gonna be great. Can't wait, can't wait. You know what else is great that I can't wait for? What is that, Joe? Talk about our wine competition. Uh, you're excited this week for some reason. So uh, last week you featured. I had the Jacuzzi Cabernet. Yes, and I had the Cosentino, the, the poet. And uh, well, you know, as oftentimes happens, you know, fear the poet. You gotta be careful, fear the poet. That's the saying. And 
you know, look, sometimes, you know, words are stronger than hot tubs, I guess. <laughs> America. What happened? Well, you know, all is right once again oh, in, here in, we go. in the wine here we go. world. And Deborah Bocanegra, Dr. Dennis Davis, would love to send you a bottle of either the Jacuzzi Cabernet or the, or the Cosentino, the poet, the Meritage, uh, your choice, and we'll be reaching out. I can't wait, Deborah. It's on the way. So uh, this week we have, uh, we have two wines, and, um, you know, I want to show that it's really the story and the wine, not, you know, where you present that makes the difference. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. How do you like that? You go. So I'm going to go first, and I'm going to tell you about a wine that, that builds on the poet, the winning wine, the poet, uh, from last week. And it also draws in the content provided to you on this podcast and at Workplace Strategies. It's called Editorial. And this is the 2016 Cabernet from Napa Valley. Now, much like the poet, the wine takes its name from the personal expression associated with words. And it then applies them to the expression associated with making wine. And this is a fabulous wine. Uh, they're located in Coombsville, which is maybe a region you haven't heard about, but you've certainly heard about the grapes that come from Coombsville because they use them to produce wines such as Pallmeyer and Joseph's Phelps Insignia. Very popular wine. But rather than spending two or $300 a bottle like you would with those other wines, you can get this fabulous bottle for just about 40 bucks. When you pour it in the glass, it is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The grapes are reflected in this wine. The taste is amazing. It scored a 94 rating. This is a terrific buy and a terrific wine that ties together everything Workplace Strategies is about. Vote. Type your vote now for editorial. Beef ribs, Joe. Beef ribs. This wine is dedicated to those individuals who, when others say no, you say yes. It's dedicated for those, uh, for uh, others, they're in retreat, you're moving forward. This is dedicated to those people who boldly make decisions. They think about things, they do the math, they do the calculations in the head, and then they move forward. This is called calculated risk. It goes wonderfully well with beef ribs. Made them just yesterday, right? And uh, my family was like, well, we don't know. I went, you know what? We're having beef ribs. This went marvelously well. It's smooth. It's uh, velvety. It just made the beef ribs go down really, really well. Beef ribs. Make a decision. Stick with it. Calculate a risk. I was going to say something nice about your wine, but you always get upset when I say something nice about your wine. You just move forward. Yeah. No voices this time. The vo last week you had that voice. Of I tell stories as I recall them. <laughs> Uh, you know, I miss that voice. I, I liked the voice. I thought I liked that voice. Well, anyways, you've got gr two great choices here. Uh, if you're on the video cast, uh, please vote for which story you liked, and you may win one of these bottles. You can also win one of these bottles by simply subscribing on the podcast, or you can do both. 
and look forward to seeing everyone in Austin in person or virtually. <laughs> That's what we call a pregnant pause in, in, the, in the business, right? That's what we say there. So, yes, we look forward to seeing everyone. We're three weeks away from the program. That means we have two podcasts left, and we're going to step Dose. it up. To, we're gonna step it up next week, right? Step we're not gonna tell bit. them. Not gonna tell them how, but we are gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna I'll be doing it by up. myself. <laughs> well, that's better. Stepping up. That's better. Oh wow, that's that's kind of <laughs> harsh. That was a little <laughs> harsh way to end the show, but I don't know what to say after that. Except until next week, I'm Joe Beachboard, and I'm Dr. Dennis Davis, and this has been Workplace Strategies Update.